At this time, and this is Pastor Tim for those who just dialed in, I'd like to welcome some of our other prayer warriors to kind of lead the charge here. Hit star five on your phone. You know who you are already. If you're ready to uh, help to lead us in some of these prayers and some of these scripture readings, we're happy to do that. So I'm not sure if Minister Stacy, Sister Mercy, you have anything you would like to contribute, but feel free to hit star five. Let's start with our Minister Stacy here to lead us and for as long as the Holy Spirit um, leads her um, to do so. Minister Stacy, take it away. Good. Good evening, Pastor Tim, again, and to everyone on the prayer line. God bless everyone. I have just a few short scriptures that I would like to share tonight that uh, were placed on my heart. And I'm going to start with Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. And it's entitled, The Parable of the Unforgiving Servant. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that the payment be made. The servant therefore fell before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion and forgave him of the debt. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii and laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me all that you owe. So the fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me. I will pay you all. And he would not listen, but went and threw him into prison until he had paid the debt. So when the fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told the master all that had been done. Then his master, after he called him, said unto him, You wicked servant, for I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. You should not also have had, or should you, should you? not have also had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you. And his master was angry and delivered him over to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from your heart does not forgive his brother who trespasses against him. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. In the mighty name of Jesus. Ephesians 1 and 7. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave us of our sins. Psalms 103 and 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Mark 11 and 25. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your father also who is in heaven may forgive you of your trespassers. Matthew 6 and 14. For if you have any forgiveness towards other people, 
when they sin against you, your heavenly Father, it says, will also forgive you. Romans 3 and 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Ephesians 2, uh, 1 through 5, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, all of us used to live that way, it says, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we are subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he, when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead. It is only by God's grace that we have been saved in the mighty name of Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to your throne of grace tonight just to say thank you, Father God, for just forgiving us of our sins. As you promised, when we sin, we have an advocate with us, which is Jesus Christ, the righteous one, who paid the penalty for all of our sins. Thank you for granting us, Lord God, repentance in our hearts in the mighty name of Jesus. We specifically repent, Lord God, today of our sins of harboring any any unforgiveness in our hearts towards any person, Lord God, as we confess our sins to you. We turn our backs on sin, and with your help, we are determined, Lord God, to follow you and your ways at all times. We realize, Lord, that it is by taking heed to your word that we can keep ourselves from sin. Through your grace, this we will do, and with our hearts, we will seek you, Lord. Father God, don't let us wander from your commandments. We have hidden your word, Lord God, in our hearts so that we may never again sin against you. And we thank you, Father, that the guilt, that guilt, Lord God, no longer has any dominion over us whatsoever. You have set us free from all guilt, and we thank you for imparting your righteousness to us through Christ Jesus, who knew no sin. It was he who became sin for us that we might be made righteous in you. And we thank you for that, Father God. And to you, Lord, we lift up our soul, for we know you are good and always ready to forgive us. You are plenteous in mercy unto all that call upon your mighty name. We do so now in the full assurance, Lord God, that your forgiveness is for us, and we thank you for that, Father God. Thank you for forgiving us of our iniquities and for remembering our sins no more. Lord, you have removed our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. Help us to be like you, Father, and that we never want to remember our sins ever again. In the mighty name of Jesus. Now we know that we are forgiven, that we are restored, and we thank you for the power of your forgiveness in our lives tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, we just come to confess your word and we thank you, Lord, that all souls belong to you, as found in Ezekiel 18 and 4. Lord, you are the shepherd and the bishop of our soul. Watch over our soul, Lord God, and keep it. We receive with meekness the engrafted word that is able to save our soul, as found in James 1 and 21. Father God, we bind the hunter of our souls in patience. We possess our soul. We bind, Lord God, and tear up every veil used 
to hunt souls and to make them fly. In the mighty name of Jesus is found in Ezekiel 13 and 20. Lord God, we command the souls that are hunted by the enemy to be let go in the mighty name of Jesus. We release the souls from divination and witchcraft, Lord God. Return, O Lord, and deliver our soul. Let not the enemy, Lord God, persecute our soul. Lord, restore our soul tonight. In the name of Jesus, as found in Psalms 23 and 3, keep our soul and deliver us. Put to shame, Lord God, those who seek after our soul. Rescue our souls from destruction, Lord God. Let those who seek after our soul be ashamed. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord God, deliver us from all oppressors, Lord God, who seek after our soul. Lord, you have delivered our soul from death, hallelujah, and our feet from falling, as found in Psalms 56 and 13. Preserve our soul, Lord God, for we are holy. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, your comforts delight our soul. We break the power, Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus, of every negative word spoken against our soul in your mighty name, Jesus. In your mighty name, in your mighty name, hallelujah. Our soul shall live and praise the Lord. Our soul is escaped, Lord God, as a bird out of the snare of the fowler. In the mighty name of Jesus, strengthen us, Lord, which strengthen our soul. Destroy all, Lord God, who afflict our soul. In the mighty name of Jesus, let your fear come upon every soul in our city. In the mighty name of Jesus, we will prosper, Lord God, and be in health, even as our soul prospers, as found in 3 John 2. Lord God, we pray our soul will be preserved blameless until the coming of the Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, our soul will be joyful in the Lord. You have covered us with the garment of salvation and the robe of righteousness as found in Isaiah 61 and 10. In the mighty name of Jesus, we break all ungodly soul ties and pray for godly soul ties that will be that will bring blessings in our life, Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus. And Father, we loose ourselves, Lord God, we loose our soul from any oaths and inner vows and curses that would bind it, Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. And I thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Pastor Trump. Thank you so much, Mr. Stacy. Much appreciated for leading us. Um, there are so many things said there that were just so important. The importance of our soul um, being very, very straightforward about praying for the salvation of our soul, the protection of our souls. Um, for those who just joined the call, this is Pastor Tim here, by the way. You just heard from Minister Stacy moments ago. We're praying about everything you know, that the Holy Spirit leads us to pray about, and I think it was very, very telling that the soul and the protection of our souls came up during our prayer meeting. It's important because for whatever reason, I've often felt, you know, on a personal level, but then also at the church level more broadly, that we spend a lot of time talking about what I would consider to be more general sort of life concerns, you know, in churches, you know, and we, we pray a lot about these things in our in our personal lives, you know. I might, for example, use myself as an instance, pray to the Lord for, say, a, a career breakthrough, right, or pray to the Lord for uh, a circumstance to... Uh, improve pertaining to something, say, at work or something in, in a different area of life, right, maybe relationally or something of that nature. And those things are fine. Um, those things are good. The Lord does ask that we pray about everything because he's our Father. He wants us to. But 
the importance of our soul, the importance of our soul. I mean, Jesus said something so interesting. He said, what, what is it profit of the man to gain the whole world and lose their soul? And he wasn't just talking about material forms of wealth. He, you, you could extrapolate from that statement and say, what does it take, what does it profit you to have it good in every other area of life, have good relationships, have a great job, have good financial standing, have a good reputation. If you don't have a soul, if your soul is not well, what difference does it make? And over the last, you know, several months, there's been a lot of, you know, news made, you know, even, you know, in, at the highest levels of, of the sort of evangelical Christian world about leaders who, you know, perhaps were, you know, um, caught up in things that they shouldn't have been caught up in, scandals and whatnot. And my point in saying that isn't to cast aspersions at anyone or to say that, you know, criticize anyone's um, uh, misgivings or or, or bad decisions, but more so to make the point that, that what does it profit us to even rise to the highest levels of ministry or to be out here preaching and teaching the Word of God and be admired and all these things if we don't do as much as we can to protect our soul. Nothing is of more value than that. Nothing is of more value than our souls. And so I think it's quite appropriate that Minister Stacy would lead us um, in praying about that, that the Holy Spirit through Minister Stacy uh, would put us down that path to pray not just for salvation of souls, for people who don't know the Lord yet, but for the preservation of our own souls. You know, Paul, who wrote massive swaths of the New Testament, said of himself, Paul, who would heal the sick with, the, you know, his shadow could pass over somebody or something, and he would literally heal the sick. I mean, that. These kind of things happen in the scripture, right? Someone would touch a cloth that Paul had touched. He was so holy that they they too would be healed. And yet Paul said at the end, or nearing the end, he said, you know, I feel good about all I've done, but I don't even know if the Lord will say I was faithful. I don't know if he'll say without a, without a shadow of a doubt that, you know, I'm in good standing with him, that I've been faithful, that my soul is unequivocally just ready to go and say, he said, the Lord will decide that. And if even Paul thought that way, then how much more should we continually think to ourselves, not that we're going to ever be worried that we're not saved, but saying unto ourselves, Lord, continue to keep our soul, continue to keep us faithful to you, which is the essence of preserving our soul. What saves our soul is our confession in Christ and our commitment to him. So the prayer that we would pray along the lines or to expound upon what Minister Stacy was saying earlier is, Lord Jesus, protect our soul, let nothing afflict our soul, and let us continually be faithful to you, God, that we would not do anything that would compromise the status and well-being of our souls. And so I just wanted to just state that, but um, it's a decent segue as we transition to the Word of God and into the devotional for tonight. Turn with me now to the book of Job, the 28th chapter, starting in verse 1. So Old Testament, looking at the book of Job, the 28th chapter, 
verse 1, Job speaking on the topic of wisdom and understanding. His conclusion, while unsurprising, is profound. The lead-up to the conclusion, which is profound, is marked. We'll take a look at, the, at, the, at all the language therein. And take a moment to pause at certain critically important parts. It says here, this is Job speaking in the book of Job 28, chapter 1. Pastor Tim here with all of you who just dialed in. People know how to mine silver and refine gold. They know how to dig iron from the earth and smelt copper from stone. They know how to put light into darkness and explore the farthest, darkest regions of the earth as they search for ore. They sink a mine shaft into the earth far from where anyone lives. They descend on ropes, swinging back and forth. Bread comes from the earth, but below the surface, the earth is melted as by fire. People know how to find sapphires and gold dust, treasures that no bird of prey can see, no falcon's eye can observe, for they are deep within the mind. No wild animal has ever walked upon those treasures. No lion has set his paw there. People know how to tear apart flinty rocks and overturn the roots of mountains. They cut tunnels in the rocks and uncover precious stones. They dam up the trickling streams and bring to light the hidden treasures. But do people know where to find wisdom? Where can they find understanding? No one knows where to find it, for it is not found among the living. It is not here, says the ocean, nor is it here, saith the sea. It cannot be bought for gold or silver. Its value is far greater than all the gold of Ophir, greater than precious onyx stone or sapphire. Wisdom is far more valuable than gold and crystal. It cannot be purchased with jewels mounted in fine gold. Coral and valuable rock crystals are worthless in trying to get it. The price of wisdom is far above that of pearls. Topaz from Ethiopia cannot be exchanged from it. Its value is greater than the purest gold. Do people know where to find wisdom? Where can they find understanding? For it is hidden from the eyes of all humanity. Even the sharp-eyed birds in the sky cannot discover it. But destruction and death say... We have heard a rumor of where wisdom can be found. God surely knows where it can be found. For he looks throughout the whole earth under all the heavens. He made the wind blow and determined how much rain should fall. He made the laws of the rain prepare to pass for the lightning. Then, when he had done all this, he saw wisdom and he measured it. He established it and examined it thoroughly. And this is what he says to all humanity. The fear of the Lord is true wisdom. To forsake evil is real understanding. So I like these verses. I think they're very beautifully written. Shakespearean almost in the way that Job articulates points. And you see that the lead up in verses 1 down through to verse 11, what Job is basically articulating and pointing out here is the prowess of human beings to do so many things, the ingenuity of human beings 
to be able to develop and create and build and invent. He was speaking of a time before human beings could do things like put a man on the moon or develop iPhones and radio waves that can allow people to be able to communicate from one side of the planet to the other in real time. I mean, these innovations can't be overstated in terms of how significant they are. And yet, despite all of human ingenuity, prowess, intellectual gain and momentum to that end, the one thing that Job points out humans have struggled to find is true wisdom and true understanding. No one, according to the word of God, knows where to find it because it is not found among the living. The moral of the story, as you read through verses 27, etc., is that God is the foundation of wisdom. It says that God found wisdom. Nobody else could find it, but he observed it on the earth, measured it, studied it thoroughly, and also is the one who disseminates it accordingly. God is the creator of wisdom, and he's also the dispenser of wisdom. God alone. And the reason that we know this, or the evidence thereof, is what's stated at the very end of this passage, verse 28. Because the only thing that leads to true wisdom in a person's life is fear of the Lord and the forsaking of evil. I think it's very, very important that we, I don't know what the term I'm looking for, accept that, that we accept that, that we accept that what wisdom is what intelligence is, is twofold. It is fear of the Lord and turning away from evil. Everything else, even if it's a good thing, is not the epitome of wisdom. Like being a good person and whatever else you could say. Being a good person and being well-studied is not the key to wisdom. The key to wisdom is not having a good attitude and also being someone who encourages others. I mean, these things are good, but the key to wisdom is this, fear of the Lord and forsaking evil. It's not enough to be a generally good person. It's not enough to have a good attitude. It's not enough to be book smart. It's not enough to go to church every Sunday. What you need to have is fear of the Lord. The term fear of the Lord means reverent form of respect for the Lord, to revere the Lord, to realize that he's operating on a different plane than the rest of us, that he's not to be messed around with, that he is sovereign, that he's holy, that he's unique, and that more than anything, if I were to boil it down to one word, he's to be respected. Does that make sense? 
fear of the Lord means respect for the Lord to the extent where you realize that he's the real deal. Not that you're afraid of the Lord, but you have this fear, this reverent form of respect for the Lord is the number one key to wisdom. Correspondingly, an equally important key is forsaking evil. That's real wisdom and understanding, says the Lord. And that second piece about forsaking evil, we don't like to talk about that in church anymore. We just like to pretend that everyone's doing everything right and that none of us ever do anything evil or think anything evil because that would be whatever, not inclusive enough if we acknowledge that evil exists almost. And we have to talk about prosperity gospel and we talk about all these other things because God forbid somebody brings up the fact that the Bible itself says that forsaking evil is a key component of this. So I just thought it was worth the while for us to cover that. And I thought that it went nicely with what the Holy Spirit led us to pray through Minister Stacy that our souls would be okay. It takes humility to, to, to pray even a prayer like that. Because saying God protect our soul, God help us to make the right decision, is to acknowledge that we don't always make the right decisions. That we don't always forsake evil. But the Bible says you should forsake evil. And it says that because we have a propensity as human beings to sometimes botch the process of forsaking evil. In other words, we sometimes don't forsake evil. So God is very clear to say, hey, by the way, you should endeavor to forsake evil. If we always did it, did it if we always avoided evil, he wouldn't need to give us this instruction. So very, very important. And the final thing I'll say in closing is, I'm often astounded by how wise God makes people. Like w- once somebody decides to fear him and to try to forsake evil, I- I've seen God take people who are literally in mental hospitals and turn them into intellectuals, seemingly overnight. I mean, it doesn't literally happen overnight, but it seems as though it happens overnight. Because they start going to Bible studies, they start reading his word, they start listening to his word, they start buying into his word. And next thing you know, someone who quite literally was in a mental hospital, quite literally couldn't get their act together or couldn't get their life together, is suddenly sounding like a philosopher. Like it's like Aristotle time when I get around them. So I think it's just really interesting. The Lord is the source of wisdom, and it plays out not just in an intangible form, but in a tangible way through the transitioning of people's minds to a point where I've literally seen people, to make this very plain, get smarter just by reading the Word of God and being around other believers who are also espousing truths from the Word of God. With that being said, I'm going to wrap this in prayer. And what I want to do also is to... Just uh, ask anybody who has a prayer request, hit star five. This is the time. Hit star five on your phone. If you have a prayer request you'd like for us to cover you in prayer in any way, shape, or form, now is the time. Hit star five. Definitely don't hesitate. Um, But anyway, I'm going to – what I'm going to do is just lift us up in prayer, and then we'll move forward from there. 
Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you, Father, for your mercy. I pray, Father, you teach us true wisdom, wisdom, Lord God, that would transcend even uh, human understanding. I pray, Heavenly Father, for true wisdom, oh, Lord God, that would, Lord Jesus, enable us to uh, fear you and to forsake evil. Protect us, God. Sometimes, Lord, we, we are atrocious decision makers as human beings, but we do know that as children of God, we have the opportunity to become very good at this. We have the opportunity to make good decisions. We have the opportunity to become to become wise in how we carry and conduct ourselves. And we ask that you would do this for us. In Jesus' mighty name, sharpen us, strengthen us, and make us whole. Amen. Great. With that said, welcoming all those who just joined, Pastor Tim here with you. And now we turn to that part of the night. We take your prayer request. Hit star five. If you have a request, we're going to start with our sister cat, Cat. How can we pray for you? Good evening, Pastor Tim uh, and everyone else on the prayer line. Every now and then I've been calling in and praying for my friend who was having trouble with her 14-year-old mm-hmm. son who was just spiraling out mm-hmm. of control. Um, well, she called me a little while ago, a few hours ago, because uh, she's still been con- having lots of problems with him. And he went on a joyride in a stolen car with some of his friends a few hours ago. And this time, uh, the car got into a major accident, wrapped around a tree, mm-hmm. and all of the boys are now uh, fighting for their lives in the hospital. Wow. Wow. Her son included, so she called me. She's afraid. You know, he's just 14, and uh, it's devastated. So yeah, yeah. And so her son, her son's in the hospital also, like as you said, fighting for his life as well. All the boys in the car, all the 14-year-olds trying to recover. Wow, wow, wow. Do you happen to know what his name is as well? Uh, We can still pray for him regardless, but Clay. Yeah, let's let's lift up. Yeah, I, I would just ask all the saints on the line, just, just uh, get in agreement with us as we lift up Clay, who's 14, far too young to have to be fighting for his life. Um, not that there's ever a good time for one to fight for their life, but certainly not at, at 14. And, um, you know, the other boys as well, we don't want to, to forget about them. Um, but, Lord, the Lord can help us. And um, I just pray that we would all just get in agreement uh, on this point. Um, so, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the life of Clay and his whole family. God, we to plead with you now that you preserve Clay's life. He's young. Still so much life to live. Still so much potential. Still the opportunity to, to follow you, God, lead others to Christ. He's like a blank canvas at his age, Lord. There's so much that he can become. There's so much that his life can help to create. There's so much that can be created within him. There's so much, Lord God more and we just ask for an extension of his life even though he's been through an accident and he's fighting for his life you know lord god there are times lord jesus when when we can't fight anymore and we need you to fight a battle for us and and, and clay's fighting for his life along with his other colleagues lord and, and as they're fighting for their life we just ask lord god that you would fight for them well, we need you to fight our battles right now lord god and we can't fight this battle for clay on our own his family can't fight the battle for his life on their own. Even these doctors can't fight the battle for his life on their own, Lord God. And we pray that everyone will do their part. The doctors will, will do every measure to save these boys, that the parents will do everything they can to, 
uh, to support these children, but we pray, Father, for you to personally get involved and step into that situation. Ensure that that heart keeps beating. Ensure that those lungs keep pumping. Ensure that, Heavenly Father, those neurons keep firing, ensuring, Lord God, that they rise out of their beds, that they have the opportunity, Lord God, to live productive lives after this. Praying, Heavenly Father, this will be a testimony one day. That these boys remember the day when they were spared and that it will draw them closer to you. Sometimes a life-threatening situation can bring people actually closer to God. That's what we would hope this would turn into. Father, we lift up Clay and his friends into your hands. In Jesus' mighty name, spare them, restore them, and make them set apart for yourself. Amen. Okay. Thank you, Kat. I'm 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 really sorry yeah. for your friend to have to go through this. I, I definitely believe wholeheartedly the Lord will do what only He can do and and and, and uh, extend the lives of these children. But uh, at the same time, it doesn't mean that um, we don't feel for for you and for your friend that you even have to have to deal with a situation like this. So thank you for thank you for, thank for listening you. to that. Thank you for praying. Thank you for praying. For sure. For sure. For sure. All right. So with that being said, with that being said, um, let me take a look and see if I saw I see a hand up from Minister Stacy. Hey, Minister Stacy. Hi, Pastor Tim. Of course, I would love for you to pray for anyone on the line in need of salvation if they're not saved, and anyone in this world who is in need of salvation. I pray tonight that they would open their hearts and uh, receive the greatest gifts that they could ever receive in this life, and that not only them, but their households also would be saved in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Yes, yes. Heavenly Father, um, we want to lift up anybody throughout the world who is not yet saved. We practice anybody on the line who's not saved or Maybe they were saved and they kind of turned away from you and now they're on the fence. Any permutation of, of that just general not saved state of mind, we pray, Heavenly Father, you would call your children back to yourself. They belong to you. They were created by you. They may not know you as Father right now, but we pray that you would adopt them back into your family. We ask, Lord, for you to make that call towards them, reach out to them, Strengthen them, assist them, help them, build them up, Lord God. Establish within them that fear of the Lord, that beginning of wisdom, Lord God, that reverent fear of God, that that awe of what God can do and how brilliant you are. I pray that they would be saved, that their households would be saved, Heavenly Father, that that those who are saved, Lord God, would, would spread the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the world, the people who are also unsaved like they are at Amen. Thank you, Minister Stacy. And uh, but I would say I see a couple other hands up, and, and perhaps Minister Stacy, if, if you're able to help assist me in sort of lifting up some of these additional prayer um, requests that are coming in, at least one 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 of the other ones, that'd be helpful. Over to our, I think it's Winnie. Hey, Winnie. 
Hi, how are you today, this evening? I have um, my sister, my oldest sister, who's um, ill and she's suffering from early dementia, we think. And the doctor Mm. thinks so as well. And um, right now she's like bedridden and uh, she's getting um, therapists coming in, working with her, trying to um, make sure she gets up and use her walk and walk. But she's sort of like giving up. And we just, I wanted to ask you to pray for her strength that she gets up because she's in the bed all the time and she's beginning to um, get those uh, bed sores. And um, Mm. so we want her to get up. I was there with her today trying to help my niece um, arouse her and encourage her to, to do so, but she hasn't, she says, I'm going to get up in a minute, but, you know, she really can't because um, her, her she's having trouble with arthritis as well, and her uh, left foot has turned. It's no longer, you know, in the walking position. You know, it's like turned, and so we're just very concerned about her, and I just ask that you would pray for mm-hmm. her. I'd appreciate that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And you said it was your sister, correct, Winnie? I'm sorry? You said it was your sister? Yes, my sister, my oldest sister. Mm. Yeah, we we can lift that up. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure, Minister Stacey, if you, if you heard the, the full uh, request, um, if you were able to help lift up uh, uh, Winnie's sister. Otherwise, I'm happy to, to lift that up as well. If you did catch Her name is Birdia. Her name is Birdia. Thanks, Thank you. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come to you, Lord God, because you are the God of the universe. Jesus, you are the great physician. You're able to do anything but fail. And, Father, we just we surrender, Bertia, to you, Lord God, because she is your child. You made her. You created her in your likeness and image. And, Father, you know all about her. You know about everything that's going on internally in that body. And, Father God, we just release the blood of Jesus from the crown of her head to the soles of her feet, Lord God, to just wash through that body, Lord God. We release it internally and inter- externally, Lord God. Father God, dementia is just the name, Lord God. Every sickness and disease was nailed to the cross over 2,000 years ago in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord God. And I believe that's sicknesses that were past, present, and future, Lord God. So we nail that dementia to the cross in the mighty name of Jesus. Father God, we just thank you right now for your healing hand, Lord God, that is over your daughter. We just ask you, Lord, to touch her from the crown of her head to the soles of her feet, Father God. I surrender, Bertie, is mine, her will and her emotions to you, Lord God. Father God, I ask her, I ask you to do what it is Bertie can't do in her own strength, Lord God. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we just thank you today that your healing anointing and your oil, Lord God, is dripping from the crown of her head to the soles of her feet, Lord God. We just ask you to give the doctors, the therapists, Lord God, everybody 
who's in contact with her, Lord God, who is helping her, Lord God, to just give them wisdom, Lord God, in exactly what it is they need to do with uh, Birdia and in her life, Lord God, while she is in the hospital. Father God, we just ask you that your will be done. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord God, let your will be done. We just thank you, Lord, that your word says, beloved, I wish above all things that Bertia would prosper and be in health even as her soul prospers, Lord God. You have the final say in everything that goes on. And, Father, if we're submitting and surrendering her mind, will, and emotions to you, you will deal with her heart concerning everything in the name of Jesus. And, Father, we just release your healing power, Lord God, over that, that foot that's turning in, Lord God. Father, you're able to give even new body parts if you want to. So, Lord, there's nothing too hard for you. And, Father, let her get the best care concerning those wounds, Father God, so that they can heal appropriately. Father God, we will walk by faith and not by sight, and we will, we will, we will believe in the report of the Lord. And we just thank you, Lord God, that this outcome will be good, you know, a good one and that we will see the manifestation of your word. And, Father God, we just thank you right now that your daughter will return to give a testimony of only what the great, great and good God of this universe can do. And, Father God, we believe you, we trust you, and we thank you in advance for everything that you're doing in your daughter Bertie's life, Lord God. We just thank you for even touching her mind, Lord God, touching her heart and touching her body even now. And Father God, we just thank you for your delivering angels on assignment over your daughter. And we command you, Satan, to take your hands off of God's property in the mighty name of Jesus. She belongs to God. And we just thank you, Lord, for your delivering angels, for your angels of healing, Lord God, and for even prospering your daughter, even in this hour, Lord God. We don't care how it looks. We will continue to be people of faith who walk by faith and not by sight. So we just thank you, Father, for everything that you're doing. We give you honor, praise, and glory in advance for what it is you're doing, and we will continue to look to you, great physician, for everything regarding Bertie's life, Lord God. We surrender and submit everything to you, and we believe that we receive tonight everything that we pray for in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you, Minister Stacy. Thank you so much, Minister Stacy, and thank you, Winnie, for pushing that item up. Um, at this time, what I'm going to do is I think we have one more hand, time for one more hand that's up from um, Sister Arlene. So I'm going to go to you, Arlene, then we're going to, I'm going to pose us up in, in, in prayer after we pray for our sister Arlene, and then we'll be good for the night. 